Welcome to the Maverick CPA Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders and specialists about their maverick approach to business, opportunity, and life. The show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Jay Tompkins. Today on the Maverick CPA Show, we have Alan Rudolph. Alan and I have done some racing together throughout the years, and he owns Speed Sports, which is a karting track out in New Caney. Listen in. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Well, Alan, you and I have known each other for a few years now. We got introduced into what some people listening here may know as my main hobby, which is racing cars, which is always a fun topic for anyone. (laughs) Yeah, if you're a racing fan, of course. Well, you know, what's funny is even though I talk to people and they find out that I do this, they're very inquisitive as to what it actually is, right? Really, regardless of their nature of cars, like, you know, people actually do this and this is how it works. So, you know, there's some inquisitiveness from it. But so, Alan, you know, you own the Speed Sports Karting Track Facility in New Caney, Texas, which I think is phenomenal and visited there many times. So tell us a little bit about that first. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you. That's actually how we met. Obviously, you guys coming out and playing at my uh, Houston's High Speed Playground, uh, Speed Sports Racing Park. Yeah, I mean we've been open now four and a half years, going on five years, and it's a one of a kind facility, really, in the whole United States. The way I designed it, having uh, two separate, completely separate racetracks. One we call the Pro Track, which is for members and uh, people who own their own carts and racing and uh, proper racing go-karts and my school and we do drift car stuff out there now car shows um, autocrossing so it's uh, not just a go-kart track we utilize it for other things and then the rental cart track we call it um, that's what's open to the public Um, that's how we do got introduced to it coming out and riding our rental carts Um, we're open to the public there wednesday through sunday and so you can just show up and ride our rental carts. Um, we do a lot of corporate groups and things like that. So it's kind of a multi-purpose karting facility. Yep, it, it is. And I've done both sides of it. I would tell you it's a great evening or day of fun to go out there and run three to five times in the the rental track. I, I personally, even though I've raced cars, the pro track, that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? You got to put some effort in and know what you're doing to have fun doing that. And there's plenty of people that do, but it's uh yeah, it is we don't just turn anyone deal. yeah we don't just turn anyone loose out there those carts go you know anywhere from 60 to 70 even 80 mile an hour in the shifter carts and so uh, that's the unique thing about my school is that you know once you come out and, and kind of get bit by the carting bug a little bit on the rentals and you want to what's next how do i get involved you know then take a little class with me and and uh, see if that's something that you want to do and then you know, we have a retail shop there too, selling carts and parts and all the stuff, the all the consumables that you need to go racing. So we can kind of a one-stop shop, really. Yep, yep, absolutely. And then beyond that, tell me a little bit about your history in karting and in cars. <laughs> well, that dates back a long time ago. So industry secret is my age, uh, which now I don't care to tell, but I don't care about, but I'm 51 now. <laughs> and uh, so I've been doing this a long time. I started when I was nine years old um, in karting, which uh, by today's standards is almost old. Uh, my, my son started when he was eight and kids are out there racing around at five and six years old. So 
they start much younger these days, you know. And so I grew up in the Midwest um, from St. Louis originally and um, actually home of, of Margay Carts, which is the one of the only American-made karting manufacturers in, in the country yeah. uh, that's still going. They've been going since, man, I think 1960 or 65. And, you know, so they're in my hometown there. And so I spent some time racing for them, call it their factory driver, you know. But karting was kind of always the consistent, you know, I was able to secure a few sponsors and, and primarily in karting, though, where I got, you know, free stuff and free engines and free tires even and could afford to to go do this thing myself. And uh, we never really had, you know, family money to, that's a bad thing about motorsports, to be quite honest, is talent doesn't guarantee you anything. Um, you have to have a lot of money and, and most people that make it in motorsports, you know, their families spend literally millions of dollars to get them there. You know, we didn't have that kind of family money. And so, you know, I was kind of paving the way myself and uh, through that met some, some good people and ended up doing a little bit of sports car racing and SCCA and stuff like that. And then I was kind of to that age where young, early twenties and, and was like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. You know, uh, what's the next step? I had gotten a real job, had to be, you know, nine to five, you know, got into printing business and to try to help pay for my habit of racing. And then a buddy of mine introduced me to Mr. Bob Bondurant, Bob Bondurant School of High Performance Driving, a legendary racing school. So it's, it's one of the ways that um, guys, you know, can make it in racing as they go work at a racing school, albeit you know, Bondurant or Skip Barber or whatever, and try to hook up with someone that that has the money. You know, we call them Rolex racers. Try to find a guy that, you know, uh, takes an interest in you and can pay to pay to play and take your take your racing. So I met Bob back in oof, like 1998 or 99, and he had just started the karting school, but didn't have anyone to run the karting school, and so. He and I met like October and bam, that next February, I think I had moved from St. Louis out to Phoenix, Arizona to work with Bondurant and, and uh, run his run his karting school at the beginning. And that just kind of led into other things. I figured I, the funny part is I figured I'd be there like a year and I'd meet my Rolex racer and we'd go off and racing. <laughs> that was my plan. Right. But that didn't work out. Um, primarily because I'm not the kind of guy that can just go ask for money, you know, like. I've never been able, never been one to talk about, you know, my racing, you know, I don't say like, Oh, I did all this and you know, I'm great racer and I don't, I'm just not that guy. And I'm not that guy to like look for money. You know, I wish I'd have known then what I know now. I wish I'd have been a little bit better at that. Um, you know, but I just, you know, I'm just not that guy to go asking people for money, you know? And so anyway, you know, Bondurant, being at Bondurant introduced me to a lot of great people and, and was able to continue on racing, um, primarily again, carts, but got into Formula Mazda, found a guy to help sponsor me in Formula Mazda. So I did that. And then that led me to being able to race at Petit Le Mans and LMP2. And this was all back in like 2003, which seems like forever ago. Uh, it kind of was. Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> I know. But it, it seems like it was, until you say 2003, it seems like it was, you know, just five, 10 years ago. But when you say 2003, geez, we're approaching, you know, 20 years. And so it's crazy to think that it was that long ago. 
So, you know, I ended up spending 16 years there at Bondurant. And then, uh, and then Bob got himself remarried for the eighth time. And we could kind of see the writing on the wall that things weren't going to go well. And so it sent us, when I say us, the, some of the other instructors and at that point management looking for other things to do. And I'd always wanted before, you know, while I was at Bondurant, I always thought, well, it'd be cool to have my own track someday. And what would, you know, how would I do that? Blah, blah, blah. And so um, I just kind of put some feelers out there, you know, letting people in the industry know that I was kind of looking for something to do. And that led me to meeting my business partner here at Speed Sports, Tim. And he had known of this property and development here, all part of Grand Texas, um, where there's a water park and eventually supposed to be a theme park and, and some other stuff in the area. And so it was a really good location. And, you know, Tim had kind of put this thing together before finding me and to be able to run the thing. And so we hooked up and he told me about his plans. And I said, I'm in. And I basically had a clean sheet of paper to design the whole thing myself. And and so started from scratch. And I think we met like in December of 2016-ish. And by February of 17, I had left Bondurant and uprooted my family and moved to Houston and built speed sports. So, Which is where our, our lives come together. We're one of my teammates yeah. named Sean. I guess he met you out there, right? He's, he's a little more into, he has a little more history into racing than I do, how I got into it. And he met you and started talking to you and so forth. And we all came out there and then we invited you to come race with us in our car. And, and I'll be honest with you, Alan, like I know myself, we have learned a lot from you, you know, racing the same car, <clears throat> right? And then eventually as we've gotten better and spent a little bit more money and had some data and some video and things like that. And I, and I think you can see it too, just in lap times consistently over the years have dropped. Now also the car I think has gotten a little faster on the tires we run yeah. and so forth, but yeah. even still, you know, it's been really fun to do that. And then what's even also more fun is like, For example, this weekend, I just got back from doing a 24-hour race in Sebring, Florida, which I'd never done a 24-hour before, and it was definitely a unique experience. But it's not just – it's different when you go race someone else's car, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a similar car in the same class on a different track, and that car has one of their drivers like you who's – always consistently fast, has a ton of experience, knows what he's doing, right? Does like Trans Am racing and all this other kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, in a comparison, well, you know, how well am I going to do compared to him being the amateur or or being an amateur, right? And to be honest with you, his fast lap and my fast lap were only a few seconds off, similar to yours and ours, right? So, you know, I got up to speed pretty quickly and actually for never being on the track and they had been on the track before, it was interesting that in qualifying, in my qualifying time and then my fast lap in my first stint at real racing, I shaved three and a half seconds off from qualifying to race pace. Yep. And, and then throw in, you do a race pace. We did double stints, double stint. Then you get out of the car for five hours. You're back in the car and now it's nighttime. Right. So now I've got a total of maybe three hours of track time on this track. 
And now you're on the track at night with at construction night. lights and lights on the car. And of course, shadows are all different. You've got cars behind you with lights in your eyes. It's a whole different deal. And to be honest with you, it really wasn't that much harder. Now, some of that could have been the track and the car and so forth, but we were yeah. only maybe a half second to a second off our fast lap paces from before. And I actually attribute that to the other cars going slower and getting in your way. Getting held up. Yeah. Cause there was many times that I thought, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to clip off a, you know, a, a good lap here. And then halfway through you run into somebody who decides to park it in the corner or just be in the way. Not that yep. it's their fault necessarily all the time, but you didn't get that nice clean lap that you hope for. But yeah, it's definitely been fun, you know, having that's you all around. Part of endurance. That's all part of endurance racing. It is. And that's the other thing that, and, and I know we haven't gotten into that much. So what we do and what you've done with us is endurance track based racing. So it's not on the street anywhere. So we'll just, you know, we don't have to qualify yeah. that we're doing anything. This is all legal on a track right. with helmets and fire suits and neck braces and roll cages and fire suppression systems. And to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I feel safer in that race car doing 130 miles an hour through a corner than driving on I-45 in Houston. Oh yeah. No, you know? Houston drivers are the worst. No, you're right. And we're all going the same direction and you know, <laughs> um, yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you hundred percent on that. And you're not supposed to have contact. It's not supposed to be that aggressive. Sometimes things happen right. because, you know, people break too late or spin out in a corner or whatever, but even right. still, I've even seen some pretty dramatic crashes, so to speak. Yeah. And no one ever gets hurt from it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're just not hurt at all. And and that's because of the safety that's built in the cars and the idea of that everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time. Right. As yeah. opposed to no one's on their phone or listening to the radio or talking right. to somebody else. Right. That doesn't happen. So, yeah. yeah, endurance racing for those of you listening out there. We race in a league called World Racing League. There's a few leagues out there. This is the league we choose. And normally it's on a weekend and it's two eight-hour races. Eight hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday. Sometimes it'll mix it up a little bit or they'll do one day, 14 hours, something like that. And occasionally they try to throw in a 24-hour when the track is able or it works out. And Sebring, which is in Florida, is known to have endurance, long endurance races. 12 plus hours, but they've never, ever done. And apparently some long history of that. They've never, ever done a 24 hour race. So this was the first ever 24 hour race at the supposedly historic Sebring raceway, right? It's so, a historic place. I'm shocked. That I, I did not know that about Sebring. I just assumed. Right. And I didn't either. And, and I don't, yeah. And, and again, that's been a well-known endurance race for a really long time. Right. And yeah. so, and the other thing everybody talked about was how bumpy Sebring is yeah. bumpy. Right. So of course I watched a ton of video before going, cause I'd never been on the track before. And yes, it seems bumpy. And I will tell you that 90% of the track is not bumpy at all. Right. Correct. It's perfectly fine. There are yep. two corners that are very bumpy. And mm -hmm. to be honest with you, when I first went out there and practice and qualifying, and I did about five laps. I thought, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think they've talked it up that much. And yeah. I'm going to retract that statement because once <laughs> you do it for two and a half hours at a time, it's bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it is very bumpy. Turn 17 and turn one, right? They're right back to back to each other. 
that is where all the bumps are. And if you get it wrong, it goes wrong badly. And it is just a nightmare. And and that's where cars can get torn up if you're in the wrong place too often. And for 24 hours, I was actually surprised. So the race had 47 cars start the race. Okay. So what would you think the guess is on attrition in 24 hours? How many finished the race? Just guess. Uh yeah, I'm going to say if 42 started, I would say if 30 finished, that would be a good number. Okay. You you were pretty close. We all guessed less because obviously we've been doing this and a lot of these cars are semi-home built. These aren't necessarily professional race teams, right? Yeah. Well, it was 35 cars finished the race. Wow. And, and even good. the league was like, that surprised us. We thought yeah. for sure there'd be a lot more that didn't finish. So, you know, people yeah. came prepared, maybe drove a little bit easier, you know, or, you know, made sure through those bumpy parts, didn't try to rip on it. I will. Another interesting part of our story is in the midst of the, so we had a transmission issue in the middle of the night, about 12 hours in that the transmission had to come out of the car, fix it and go back in. And at the time we were in first place by nine laps. Luckily, we had some really great mechanics on our crew. They pulled the transmission, fixed it, and put it back in in about an hour and 20 minutes. That's amazing. Which is amazing. And I'm not going to say their names because I don't want any of them who may, someone may pay them to be a mechanic to say, you can replace my transmission in an hour and 20 minutes. It was, <laughs> and there were three of them running around going crazy. Well, one of them jumps over like the tongue of a trailer with some tools stumbles, hits his head slash face on the end plate of the wing of the car. Oh, God. And broke the wing off. <laughs> there were 16 rivets that hold the, the wing to the support plates. It They just all broke. Wow. And we didn't have try, time to try to fix it. Well, I now know, and Alan, you did this for us. We took the wing off of our car and sent you out to go test it. Yep. I now know what it feels like to have no wing on a car. <laughs> yep. And uh, and try you to race the rest it. Of the race with no wing? I, I told my teammates, we are never going to remove the wing of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and now at Sebring, where you're doing high-speed bumpy turns on that turn 17 and turn 1, it made it even worse. But oh, holy man. cow, you don't realize how much that wing creates traction for you in right, high speed yeah. cornering. It was amazing the difference in how you had to manage your throttle and you had to just give it a little bit of throttle input to transfer the weight to get some weight on those rear tires. You couldn't just brake deep and then power out because the rear end would just walk all over you. It yep. was crazy and luckily none of us lost but maybe a second or two off of our lap times without the wing so long story short we were in first off the track for an hour and 48 minutes got back on was in third at that point out of our class had i think nine or ten cars in it that started Mm -hmm. the race in third and worked ourselves back up to second then within with 45 minutes left in the race, one of the fuel pumps died. The main fuel pump died. So they had to come in and fix that, which was luckily we were up by about 10 laps on third at that moment. So it really wasn't a, a huge deal and ended up being in second place. And credit to a team called Thunder Bunny, who we've been racing with for a long time. They had a completely incident-free race 
and beat us by 27 laps. But wow. had we not had our issues, it would have been either a pretty close fight to the end or we would have had first wrapped up. But it was that's part of endurance racing. That's, right? I was going to say, that's the that's thing about endurance racing. Sometimes you, you don't have to be the fastest, but if you no, stay on right. the track, there, there's points for that. So Absolutely. Yeah, so it's definitely been fun, and we love having you around. And I know we sent you the schedule for next year so that you can see when you might be available, but it, it should be good. Yeah, I'd like to do at least a couple of races next year. That'd be great. Yeah, for sure. I know you have a huge... So uh, that goes into my next question is, I know you even run a race team karting. So tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, part of the business model here is that, you know, like I said, we sell the carts and parts and all this stuff. And because we do that, I need to, you know, service that. It just became apparent. We never wanted to have a race team as part of the business starting out, but it was shortly after we opened, realized that if I didn't have a race team, these customers would go someplace else uh, for support. And so I started the little race team now, I guess about three years ago four years ago, maybe. And that's become a nice little addition to the business and, and my school, you know, it's, it's all about promoting the, the school too. And then, you know, now we have about 12, depending on which race, but I have about 12, um, mostly kids that are on my team. When I say kids, there's, um, four of them that are adults. And then all the other ones are kids rage aging from 10, 11 years old to young teens. And that's become pretty nice. We travel around, you know, we do obviously our club races, which are about once a month. And then there's a regional series that runs five race series, a race in New Orleans, a race at my track, a race up in Dallas and Amarillo and hopefully another race at my track. Um, but that's a little five race series that, that runs regionally here. And so we go do that. And then we also select a national series that a handful of the kids like to race against more people at the highest level. It's called USPKS. And then that, that takes us to this year. It took us to Florida and Indiana. Um, where else? Oh, Road Indian. America. Yeah, Road America. Yeah. yeah, went to Road America. They have a go-kart track in the middle of Road America. It's really nice. And then, and then to North Carolina. So that's sort of our national scene. But between the club races and the regional series and the national, you know, we're going all the time. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty yep. busy. And for, you know, those that are out there, I mean, I see karting as a great way to get introduced to racing motorsports, right? And and, and you tell me, you've been in the industry for so long, there's a lot of guys who race NASCAR now and all the other kind of stuff that they all started in karting. In karting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, NASCAR, you'll see that some of the guys came from karting. A lot of them do the roundy round stuff from the time they were little, they get on dirt tracks and go, you know, mm-hmm. riding around um, left turn all the time, you know, and that turns into running on pavement and whatnot. But by and large into IndyCar, Formula One and all that, those guys are all karting. Right, that their their background is karting, leading up to that point. And you know, to be honest, the smart ones still do it because it's really the closest thing to their formula car that they'll ever get in. In fact, when we were at GoPro a couple of weeks, uh, GoPro is the kart track that's in North Carolina, and at that USPKS race, Joseph Newgarden was racing, mm-hmm. Kyle Larson was racing, 
he raced on Saturday at the go kart track and then flies off Sunday and wins the NASCAR race, right? Yeah, um, that's awesome. Will Power was racing, and so you know these guys. That's and by the way, Will Power and Joseph Newgarden they did karting growing up. Kyle Larson did not. Kyle Larson was more of the dirt track roundy round guy, right? That's what he's famous for, and that was his first big go kart race, and he was killing it. I mean, he didn't win. They were all running like mid pack, but that gives you an idea. Like I think out of 40 carts, Kyle maybe qualified 20th. They were all around the, that 20th position there. That shows you the level of competition and skill that these carters have. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, a lot of people, it's easy that, you know, your kids in baseball or basketball or soccer or something like that. And it's the same sort of transition from the, you know, kids leagues and then you get better, you go to the elite and go to this and go to that, right? I'm assuming it's somewhat similar in the motorsports realm of Uh, how you do that. And then there's the, the random ones that show up late to the game. Like even talk to his sports. If you think about somebody like Michael Jordan, right? If you look at his story, he didn't play when he was a little kid. He didn't start playing until high school, if I remember right. And so, you know, it's things like that, that you can have the guy that comes out of nowhere or Ken Block, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't Ken Block start really late? In his career of car racing, and you know, he does the the rally stuff, or did yeah, he does. Yep. So I think he started really late, like he was in his thirties before he ever yep. started even racing. So it's not that's going to happen to all of us, you know. I'm forty two, our forty two year old is going to become a professional race car driver, but it sure is right. fun a few times a year to get out and go rip around a racetrack and you know have some success doing it and feel like you're you know, really having fun and being competitive is the key. Yeah. It's, it's having that Absolutely. competition. So Absolutely. It, it is fun. So what can you tell the, you know, probably five people out there that are listening to this is <laughs> you, you mentioned before all that you've learned. So what have you learned or what would you like to share that you've learned through your experiences so far? As it relates to motorsports, I'm assuming, yeah. um, you know, to be honest, it's, uh, like what I tell the parents and the kids, you know, this is always it's supposed to be fun, right? The moment it's not fun, you move on. Sometimes you get the, I'm just going to say it, you know, the soccer dads that, that try to push too hard and, and it becomes not fun for the kid anymore. Then they're out, you know, they don't want to do it anymore. Look, you know, families choose baseball, football, whatever. We, as a family, always chose motorsports. Um, racing is what we've done. My my parents still go to the races with us and try to watch, you know, and my kids racing now. And, you know, so you, for me, you either choose a stick and ball sport or we go racing and, and it's supposed to be fun, you know? So first and foremost, everybody should be having fun doing it. I mean, you've been bitten by the bug now these last few years. Why do you do it? Cause it's fun, right? Yeah. So that's right. It's, an, it's an adrenaline rush, like no other. It's hard to explain to people. Um, what that feels like, you know, um, being behind the wheel, even being around the racetrack in general and just the smell of the, the fuel and, you know, and all the stuff, the, the sights and sounds, they say, right? The sights and sounds of and smells of motorsports, right? There's nothing else like it. And so you kind of, you just have to, for those who have never experienced it, you got to go experience it. You know, we in this past weekend, we went to the Formula One race over at Circuit of the Americas uh, as a spectator, as a fan. And that was the first time my son has ever experienced a Formula One race live. And there's nothing else like it. I mean, it's just 150,000 people there watching the 
20, get this, 20 of the world's best race car drivers, you know? Um, I mean, there's all, there's thousands of young kids out there that all aspire to be race car drivers. Um, the reality is only a handful make it, right? Um, there's 20 in Formula One, there's 30 in IndyCar, there's 40 in NASCAR. That's it, right? So it's a pretty elite group of people that, that ever make it that far. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. And, and the same applies to, you know, I see it in sports with my kids too, right? Like most, not most, many of the parents take it way too seriously and, you know, want to complain and moan about practices and we don't have enough of them or why'd the game get canceled and this and that. And it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, your kid's not going pro. And if you also think they're going to get college paid for, that's a stretch too. Now that doesn't mean you don't put in the effort. That doesn't mean you don't try to become the best at whatever you're having fun doing. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're right. If you're not having fun, I can promise you, even if you are the best, you're still not going to achieve that success. You're just not because you're going to have the wrong attitude about it, especially from a kid to a parent type of scenario. Right. So you know what? The kid come home from school and says, I got schoolwork or I'm tired. I don't want to go practice today. Part of what my wife and I actually learned through the COVID transition was we were taking it too seriously, even though we tried to have that fun concept around it. Right. We were still taking it too seriously, too busy. So now, you know what? If you want to, if you want to put in the effort, you will. And so my daughter recently, she's a freshman. She's been playing soccer now for a handful of years and has had some decent success at it. And I would call her pretty, she's pretty darn good. Well, she's a freshman and she wants to play varsity soccer at the high school. And she has a chance to be able to. And the coach has given her goals and things to attain to possibly make this happen, right? Well, for her, that has turned into want, right? The day after the coach told her she had to do certain things, like she had to have her mile time at a certain level and various type of stuff to even be considered, right? The next day, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., she gets up and go runs a mile in our neighborhood comes back and this is literally two hours before she go plays a soccer game and proceeds to score two goals at the soccer game. So so I can't, I couldn't, if she told us the story Friday from the coach and I told her go run tomorrow morning, the likelihood of her doing it, it doesn't matter if I said those words at all. The kid has to want to do it. So everybody listening out there, if your kid doesn't want to, it's either the environment you're creating because you're pushing too hard or they're not having fun either. Yeah. They want to do something else. Go try something else. Even so all of my kids played soccer. In fact, my oldest played for like 13 years and this year he finally decided just give it up. Same thing. He wasn't having fun with it anymore. Too much politics involved. So he's like, I'm out. Okay, fine. You're out. Then my little one, my 11 year old, He's, he was pretty darn good, too. And he goes, you know what? I don't want to play anymore. I want to play basketball. Okay. Let's go All play right. basketball. <laughs> yeah. So now we're playing basketball, and it's a fun new experience. That's for sure. And and he, I think, is having fun doing it. New challenge. And he's pretty decent at it, but he's coming along pretty well. And every afternoon he gets home from school, what does he do? He's in – 
he's outside shooting hoops and he gets yeah. his older brother to go mess with him. And he gets super frustrated because the older brother's six years older and obviously can dominate him. But, right. and he gets frustrated with him. Like, all right, just relax. Remember you're going to get better because you're playing him. That's older and you're not going to have huge success with it. But if you want to do it, you're out there doing it. And so it's that want. So whether you're an adult, you're a kid, if you don't want to do it, you're not going to have great success at it because you have to have that want. And that want cannot be told and it cannot be forced. If you right. don't want it, you don't want it. Oh, that was a long soapbox, yeah. I guess, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, true. Yeah, I, I think people time. take life too serious. And then you apply that to business, right? If you don't want to go sell your desk that you make and you think it's just a job, well, you're never going to have great success at it. Right. You know, I exactly. mean, it's, it's just not. And, and hopefully you can work towards or have a goal of something that you want to do. Like you said, you've been in motorsports a long time and you figured out how to make it happen to have your own track. And now you yep. do. Like right. even my wife owns a gym. And one of her goals, she's been into fitness for a very long time, was to own her own gym. And two years ago, she made it happen. So, you know, That's it's... Awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things that just sort of, you know, it can take time, but you have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I know your wife and obviously your children are very involved in your motorsports as well, which, of course, helps. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you got to have support there for sure. Yeah. That, that's right. If, if you don't have the support, it for sure is either never going to happen or it would be just a strain on the yeah. entire family relationship for sure. So, Absolutely. Yep. and I know I've seen your wife running around the, the track there. She's involved as, as much as I'm sure she wants to be or yeah. <laughs> as much as she wants to be. That's about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, what, what else can you tell us, Alan? I mean, you're one of those guys that you've been at racetracks with us and it seems like every Everybody knows you. Nobody knows us, but they know you. So clearly you've done something right over the last many years in motorsports. Well, it's just, it really is about building relationships and, you know, just being, you know, building relationships, being an honest guy that um, people like and respect. And, you know, and motorsports is a pretty small community, you know, um, and being in it for so long, knowing so many people, we're all kind of interconnected. You know, it, it did help. I can say being at, at Bondurant for 16 years and uh, meeting great people like last weekend at the Formula One race. Now, my, one of my dear friends is Lynn St. James, who was you know a female race car driver that kind of paved the way for women. Um, she's racing the Indy 500, race Trans Am cars, all this stuff uh, back in the you know like 70s, 80s, even into 2000 was their last Formula uh, Indianapolis race, and so her and I. Uh, became really close friends through some stuff we did at Bondurant. And uh, so that's who I got to hang out with last weekend at Formula One race in the VIP area was Lynn, awesome. you know, and so it's just building those relationships, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, motorsports is a small knit community and, you know, everyone puts their pants on the same way every day and, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. And that's really it, you know, just build good relationships with people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's great advice, no matter what industry or everything, because I think the it's a small world applies to every single industry, realistically, Absolutely. right? I mean, yeah, yeah. 100%. W when you get towards the top of any industry, whether it's unique or, you know, a, a certain sector, it is small. And if you have that mindset, you can have success. And hopefully, if you're to that level, you're having fun and you want to be there, right? And yeah, so then all the things are clicking and just good things keep coming. So 
So what's next for Speed Sports or Alan Rudolph? Um, you know, just the continued growth of Speed Sports as a whole. You know, as a, it, while it's a fun place, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's a business. I've got to, I've got to run this beast and continue to make it successful. And so, you know, that um, I would say that evolution is continuing to find ways of bringing in, bringing in different revenue streams. You know, I, I mentioned that we do drifting and car shows and autocross and stuff. That was never part of the plan in the beginning. It was supposed to be a go-kart track, but it became very apparent that, you know, drift cars are looking for places to make smoke and burn rubber, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and autocross in cars is typically done in a parking lot with some cones. Well, uh, a go-kart track is way better than that. So, just continuing to kind of develop new things like that. And then these car show things, we've done a couple of car shows now that have become really popular. So I'm going to start doing a few more of those next year. And that's it, man. Just keep well, There's one them. thing you didn't mention that I know you've liked to do before. And I've actually done this with one of my companies is corporate events. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing that, that we finally, right before the whole COVID thing hit, you know, now what appears to be almost two years ago, believe it or not, you know, we're yeah. approaching that mark. But man, I was doing a lot of corporate groups, you know, it's team building stuff, right? Let's take your company out and have some fun. And But after COVID, that just completely went away. It's finally starting to slowly come back. Um, I'm finally seeing it coming back. This last month was pretty good for groups and moving into December and the holidays, uh, people plan their holiday parties and stuff like that. So you know, it's a really different, unique. I mean, everyone's, you know, good done golf and stuff like that. But getting your company together, um, well, for that matter, a group of friends or whatever, and coming out and enjoying some fun at the racetrack, driving go karts and competing against each other, and you know, that's really cool. People remember that for that forever. Yeah. So I would tell people out there, like, go check it out. Go, I mean, it, it, it. you would think in a corporate, oh, we don't have people that, you know, like to race. A, you might be surprised. And, and B, if they've ever gone to one of these little, you know, mini golf places with go-karts, I mean, so yeah, it's a little higher level than that, but anybody can do it. There, there's no, yeah. there's no restriction to it. And even if you're worried about groups and whatever, well, most of it can be done all outside, right? Yeah, so that's exactly it, right. We're and, all outside. You can bring your own helmet if you need to. They have helmets there. And then they have this fancy helmet cleaner, too. That's really yeah. kind of cool. So the sandy it, box is cool. it can be a bridge to, you know, getting a group back together. And, and you can do it in any way you want. And he's got a great facility out there to whether it's a private room or the big open area or just to have even if it's a smaller group. And I know when I've done it, he'll even coordinate food and so forth. So it can... It is a high class place. I would suggest everybody out there listening go check out Speed Sports with a Z, and it's up in New Caney. So you, you got to take a little bit of a drive depending on where you are, but that's okay. Go check it out. It's a great facility, and go have some fun. Whether again you take your family on a weekend or your corporate event, or maybe you thought you know what my kid might like to get into this and get some yeah. lessons from Alan and go out on the big track, and you never know he could become the next F one driver or NASCAR. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure Alan would love to add that to his resume that one of the coach, one of the kids that you know brought up through his through his race team became 
someone, you know, up at the elite, right? Isn't that everybody, co- every coach's dream, that's so to speak? Every coach, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Alan, great having you today. Last I heard, you're going to be coming around, even though you're not racing with us. And I know that's a contention point here in about a month <laughs> yeah. at, at Coda. Yeah. But anyway, I've heard you're going to come around. So hopefully I'll see you then here in about a month. But Sounds great. Well, it was great having you. All right, Jay. Thank you, sir. And there it is, another fantastic episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at maverickcpa.com, and you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at bakertilly.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.